Welcome to the Faith and Money podcast with your illustrious, famous, and good-looking hosts, Keith Conley and Crystal Wampler. I am Keith Conley, and I am the president and CEO of True Legacy Financial Planning. We are a financial advisory firm that serves clients who desire to receive biblical wisdom with the advice they receive with regarding their finances. I specialize in working with faith-based business owners, churches, and other nonprofits, ministers, and high net worth families, which are faith-based. However, many of you may be surprised to know that Crystal is the host of another weekly show. She just can't get enough of, of being a host. And the other show that she's on is called The Crypto Caniverse Show. Crystal, why don't you tell us about that? Sure, Keith. Um, the Crypto Caniverse Show is an international faith-based show where we discuss and represent the business owners within the five C's. The five C's are Christ, cannabis, cryptocurrency, cybersecurity, and CPAs. And we pride ourselves on being Christians on a mission, but we welcome all faiths. And we are excited to have some amazing guests coming up on Friday. We're every Friday from 11 to 1230 Pacific. And we would love for you to tune in. Thank you, Keith. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have any questions about the Crypto Caniverse show, would like to receive the link to join that, or maybe have a, ho a question for your hosts uh, that you would like us to answer on the podcast, you can send that request to Faith and Money podcast at gmail.com. So Faith and Money is a podcast where we discuss the relationship of money, wealth, and generosity with the Bible. The goal of the podcast is to equip believers in Jesus Christ to honor the Lord with their wealth. Uh, we will explore topics like the true meaning of wealth and its biblical uses. After all, the Bible says we shouldn't love money, but here at Faith and Money, we are committed to bring you the full scope of financial wisdom found in the Bible. Today, we welcome Donette Palmore to the Faith and Money podcast. Welcome, Donette. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. Donette Palmore is the founder and owner of Your Money on Purpose Coaching, when she empowers, where she empowers professional and entrepreneurial women who make a great money but need to know where it goes to gain control of their finances without sacrificing their lifestyle so they can live a financial stress-free life. Donette is committed to helping women to thrive in their businesses and lives instead of just surviving. Through her own mistakes with money, she discovered how to keep vision focused instead of budget focused, which has allowed her to get out of debt, save, and invest in her future while enjoying the things that she loves. Since 2015, Donette has empowered hundreds of women to create a thriving and profitable business, live their own, live their life on their own terms and be at peace with their money. When she is not empowering other women, she can spend time with her family and friends. Donette, can you share with us how you started financial coaching? Yes, absolutely. First, I want to say, I love that you talk about taboo topics. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to tune into that podcast. <laughs> Awesome. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, I started coaching 
because I was making my own mistakes with money. I mean, we were making great money, just like, you know, the people that I serve, um, as money came in, money was going out when money wasn't there. We're freaking out. What do we do? You know, we're not saving. We're not investing. We're not doing anything with our money. We, I mean, we had a house. That's about all we had. Well, a house, food and cars. Right. But we weren't, you know, saving for a rainy day or, you know, saving for our future. And I realized I was teaching my children those bad habits as well. And if I didn't do something, I was going to repeat that general, that generation, uh, generational cycle of poverty. And so I went on a journey to find out what in the world can I do to um, make this possible for ourselves? Because it, when you think about money and the things that need to be done with it, it's very overwhelming. And you just kind of throw up your hands and say, forget it. I'm just going to keep living this way and hope it all works out. Um, but through that journey, I found processes and systems that brought me hope and peace. And how many people do you know when they think about money, it brings them peace? Not very many, right? People are stressed mm -hmm. out about it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to share that with other people. And so in 2015, I launched my business. Yeah. I mean, money is just such an emotional topic, uh, you know, and typically the emotions that we have with money are either fear, greed, or shame. Mm. And none of those feelings are, are particularly good, are they? You yeah. know, you know, if we're, if we're following the Lord with our money, uh, what do we have to fear for the Lord? You know, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Um, and you know, with that idea of greed and that really needs to be kind of fleshed out about exactly what that means and, and whether or not that's a good thing, it could certainly be a bad thing, but that's not really that hard to figure out. I mean, we all know that it's greedy and we're not to be envious of what our neighbor has, you know, if we're looking at, at, at God's 10 commandments. Um, but if we can have peace, joy, and contentment, those are three opposite feelings that um, we should be living with as, as believers in the Lord regarding our money. Absolutely. Um, and I think also, you know, talking about money, I think that's something that's been lost in the church is they don't want to talk about money because of what you said, right? It's fear, it's greed, it's filthy, you're shameful. It's like, you, if you... It, if you talk about money, you're just bad. It's evil. And that makes people feel dirty and they don't want to talk about money. And it's just like sex. Church doesn't want to talk about sex either, but look at the mess that it has created because we're not talking about these things. Right. It is a disaster. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was, um, when I first started, I was doing, um, you know, Dave Ramsey's financial peace university in the church that I was attending. And we saw this just, you know, people were doing great things with their money and they were uh, paying off debt saving. And I brought it to the pastor and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I want to tell you, like, this is what is going on in this class. And he goes, oh, I got that number in a dream. And I said to him, could you imagine how much more people would give if they had no debt? And he just shut me down. Mm -hmm. He did not want to talk about it anymore. And this class was not even really promoted. It was very bizarre. Most yeah. of the people who attended did not come to the church. It, it's an interesting concept. I mean, I have a theological education, you know, both an undergrad and graduate level, probably 
you know, 80% of my very closest friends on the entire earth are ministers. Uh, and so I know ministers all around the country and even, even around the world. Uh, and, and I have kind of used my relationships and, and my theological education to kind of push the issue. I've seen so many churches with ministers who live in a parsonage who've lived there for 30, 40 years and have no uh, savings. They may have $10,000 in a bank or maybe $100,000 in a bank, but they've never paid into social security. They've never really saved for retirement. They're advanced in age and, and they've given their lives over to the church. And because we don't talk about money, we're creating a burden to the families of our ministers. And, and quite frankly, a lot of our people in our churches are just not equipped to understand what the Bible says about money, wealth, and generosity. They're very quick to see and recognize that, that Paul says we're not supposed to love money, but they don't know what else the Bible says about money, wealth, and generosity. There's actually over 2,300 verses about money. So it, it, it should be a topic that we discuss, but what would, in, Donna, in your experience, what are some of the reasons that churches are reluctant to talk about money? That's a good question. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's because the, the church or the pastor itself is maybe in debt. Maybe they're not good with money. And therefore, if they talk about it, it's something now they have to fix, right? Because yeah. <laughs> the Lord doesn't let us talk about something without first fixing us. <laughs> <laughs> we have to fix that part in our life first or he's going to use the process to do so. I really, maybe because, you know, they believe it, you know, they've been told money's dirty, you know, and that's just what they're putting out there and they don't want to talk about it. And I know that the Bible talks more about money than about anything else because God already knew it was going to be a problem if we didn't talk about it. (laughs) Right. I mean, but is money dirty done yet? Money is not dirty. Money's not evil. That's not what the Bible says. It says that the root of evil, I'm sorry, <laughs> repeat that, um, redo that. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So when we're putting that first, that's when it becomes evil because, you know, the Bible says not to put anything before God. Nothing comes before God. When we're putting money before God, now we're in sin. And now we're going to pursue that and not God. And, you know, um, do people do evil things with money? Yep. But money itself is an object. It's energy. It's, it's flowing. It's currency. It doesn't do bad or good. It's what people do with it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could, you could say the same thing about a baseball bat, you know, a baseball (laughs) bat is an object that could be used to play, uh, you know, America's favorite pastime. Or Crystal could hit me over the head with one and it could be, you know, used for evil. Not well, it, it would be used for good because of I would be hitting you over the head when you tell us those terrible dad jokes. <laughs> oh, don't get me started now. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be saving the world. <laughs> you know, what I tell people, though, is that Planning for for money doesn't mean that you love it. In fact, it could actually show that you trust the Lord uh, because what you're doing is you're planning on 
on making plans on how to manage God's money in a way that honors him. Whereas so many of us just kind of go through life day by day, paycheck by paycheck, and we don't really have any rhyme or reason on why we, on the reasons we use our money. We don't, we don't know why we're doing it. We're just doing it because that's what we've always done. And that's not always honoring the Lord. You know, if we think about the parable of the talents, who did the master punish versus who did he reward? Um, uh, that's a great one to look at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of Jesus's parables talk about business concepts. Do you recommend or have you ever heard of, of the recommendation that families think of their, of their family unit as a business rather than just kind of as a social unit. Mm, I've never thought about that before, but I guess, you know, everything is run as a business, right? And that's how you have to look at it. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that a good father leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. That's not just money. It's also, you know, what do we sow into them on a daily basis? And when we're, you know, when you think about, okay, well, these are my little employees and I need to, you know, get them we don't want our employees, we don't want to suppress our employees, right? We want them to grow and flourish. And, you know, if they decide to leave us, that's great. We've given them the tools to do that. And you know what? Our children are going to leave us. We need to give them the tools to be able to do that. Otherwise we have this boomerang, boomerang generation, right? That is coming back home because they weren't taught the right things, how to deal with life, how to deal with adversity, how to deal with, you know, what do you do when you don't have enough money? Well, you can go find another job. <laughs> you can work two jobs. <laughs> I mean, I, I love how these conversations go on these podcasts. When it comes to money, very often I have conversations with clients who have uh, children who are either, you know, older teenagers or young adults, and, and they're so worried about their, their children struggling financially, and they want to save them. Hmm. And my message to them is that they should allow their children to struggle because it's the struggle that creates character and causes us to appreciate what the Lord has entrusted us with. It's the newly married couple with a new baby that struggles to make ends meet. And, you know, it doesn't mean that we're going to let our children and our grandchildren go homeless um, or that we're not going to talk to them about their finances or, or help them if something comes up, but we should allow them to struggle. We should, we should give them incentive to better themselves in their vocation. We should give them incentive to, to make mistakes and to learn from them and to grow and become more well-rounded individuals, because quite frankly, it's our struggles and our, and our trials that, that God uses to make us um, more like the Lord. Absolutely. And that starts in our home, right? What did you teach your children about money in the home? Did yeah. you buy them everything they wanted? Did they, did you, you know, they fall down and you pick them up or did you allow them to pick themselves up? You know, we have to start in our home. Right. And when I saw that path I was on, you know, I, we didn't, I didn't have a lot. I didn't have money. We were broke. We were, you know, if I wanted getting a dollar for my dad, oh my gosh, <laughs> it was like, you were going to just have to face this scrutiny to get a dollar. Um, but you know, that was his mindset. And 
when I had children, I didn't want to tell them we couldn't afford something. I didn't want to tell them we couldn't have these experiences and do these things, or they couldn't have those shoes or that, those clothes. But that was making me go broke. (laughs) I was in the same cycle as my parents, just in a different way. And that's what I was going to send my children into. So changing that and my children worked for their money. I put them on payroll. They paid taxes. Um, I actually put them on commission so that if they didn't do the work, they didn't get paid. So they learned that if you wanted money, you had to work for it. It wasn't just going to fall in your lap. We don't just go to the ATM and draw it out. We don't write a check in, you know, money magically shows up in our bank accounts. You have to work and put it in there. Right. And, and once they have it, what we've done with our children is we have actually given them a model of what to do with that money. You know, part of the money goes to God, part of the money goes in the savings and the rest is for whatever they want to spend it on. And so, you know, if they get a hundred dollars at their birthday or whatever, you know, they automatically know. And the expectation is that that hundred dollars isn't all there for them to spend on, you know, that, that bicycle helmet or that candy bar or that shirt or whatever it is that they want to spend their money on. They automatically know that on come Sunday, that part of that money is going in the offering plate. And, and that teaches them the joy of generosity and, 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 and it teaches them that, that this money is ultimately from the Lord. Totally. And what a, you know, when they get a hundred bucks, you're giving back 10 bucks. Like, what is that? You know, it's $10 (laughs) or whatever you decide, but you know, the Bible says a 10th. So we'll just go with that. You know, $10, you still have $90, right? Right. And you're going to put some away for something you might want later or save for when, you know, you don't have money or, you know, whatever it is, but you get 70% of it to do whatever you want with, like, that's a pretty good deal. Well, you know, well, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we say 10% is kind of the training wheels for generosity. That's kind of where we start. Yeah. Um, if, if I'm not certainly going to tell my kids that if they want to give 15 to the Lord, that they can't do that. Yep. And we usually say, you know, 20% savings. Uh, and that goes into either a bank account or maybe their, their, uh, Utma or their their transfer miners active you know investment account or maybe it will go into some other sort of savings vehicle and then they have the rest to do what they want what we struggle with when they were younger my kids are you know early teenage years or preteens uh when they were younger they would carry around their money and they would actually use it as a toy they would count it and they would carry it around. And I, and I, I kind of had to put the kibosh on that, you know, big, mean, evil dad. I would probably tell him a dad joke while I was doing it. <laughs> um, just, just to spite crystal. Um, <laughs> crystal. Crystal's never met my kids, but, um, but we had a conversation that this is not a toy and it isn't something that we carry around as a prize and they would take it out and we would find you know coins in in the van or or on the kitchen table or under the couch and 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 then they would get angry about well uh my sister stole my money or you took my money and and I said well why isn't it in your savings, you know, your savings piggy bank or, and, or wherever they were keeping their cash. And for a while, we actually said, okay, well, 
here's you're going to give us your spending money and when you want it you can come to us for it because it's not a toy it's not something that we just carry around and use as some sort of token or toy yeah yeah well yeah you have to teach your kids respect for it right we have to teach mm-hmm. the next generation respect for you know that money because it represents something right it represents sweat that we put behind that uh, it, it represents the sacrifice we made with our family so that we can go make that money to provide for our families. Yeah. You know, it, it represents so much. It's not just money. <laughs> what are some of the kind of coming back to your, to your client work? What are some of the things that some of the emotional roadblocks that the women you work with have regarding their money? Oh, there's so many. Um, I would go back to like, okay, women are, don't, you know, what I see mostly is that they just don't know how money works. Like, because they've been told, um, you know, money is not for women. Women are spenders. Women are not good with money. Women are not allowed to make money. Um, you know, this has been embedded in us from, um, generation to generation. And I was just at a women's conference and the old ads that they used to have were so infuriating. And I don't even know how women put up with it, but look at ads from like the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, you, you will just get angry. Uh, so we've been told this stuff, right. And even the church is like, women should be at home. Women should be at home. You know, we're in a different society. Maybe women shouldn't be at home. Maybe they should. That's up to them and God to decide. And I don't think we need to be making them feel guilty. So, you know, um, what happens when we don't know how to use money? We've been told we're bad with money. Well, that's what we live, right? We just live it out. There is, I, I know plenty of men that are just as bad of money. I don't, I don't know that just because someone is a woman or just because someone is a man that they're either good or bad with money. I, 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 I just don't buy that line of reasoning. I've actually made the argument in the past and I'm kind of doing myself a disservice here, but I stand by it. I actually think that by and large, women make better financial advisors than men. And, you know, my industry is saturated with men and there are some women, but the reality is that the best financial advice isn't let's buy this stock instead of this stock. That's very technical, transactional, whereas the best financial advice is given on a more relational basis, which women tend to be far superior at than men. And when women are given the right tools and raised, you know, given change their mindset, they flourish with money mm-hmm. and, and they become relational. But when, when they haven't been told those things, you know, they're spending more money than they make. They're getting into debt and that pours right into their business, right? Or women have been told, you can't charge those prices. How dare you charge those prices? Right. So, in, you know, this is very interesting. Brings up another question in my mind. What is your experience on women having financial conversations with their husbands? Have you run into problems with your clients and how have you addressed that? And has it been the women or the men? Um, usually it's because uh, 
it's it's obviously fighting right because they don't know how to talk about it um and it's I think it's more the men like I don't want to talk about it um and I think it's coming from shame because they feel like well I'm the man I should have this figured out I should have this taken care of and it's not and you know now we're having to get help which is could be embarrassing for some men and um they just become more reserved and I I think is what I've seen I I've had husbands walk off the calls they're like yeah I'm not talking to you about this <laughs> um so I that yeah and you know and I have clients that are men that don't have anybody to talk to about money except for me mm-hmm. um so you know I how do I address it? Well, if they're willing to address it, let's talk about it. Like, how are you feeling about this? How does this make you feel? Because I think men don't get that opportunity that often, right? They've been told, well, you can't feel right. Don't cry. Don't, you know, you're just man up. Well, what does that even mean? (laughs) You know, they need to, they have feelings too. They have things that go through their head. They, they need to talk about things. So asking them how they feel about stuff, you know, what are some dreams and goals that you guys want? How can I get them on the same page? And I've actually watched this couple fight about money um, on our Zoom calls. And, you know, he just kind of retreats. And now they're just like talking about their future. They're actually, I think today they move into their house. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um. It has been amazing. And they wouldn't have been able to do that. If they weren't communicating about money. I mean, you just can't do those things when you're, you're not com- communicating. So for them, this is like a huge step and it's only been a few years. <laughs> right. I so, remember one of the first couples that I worked with when I became, you know, full service advisor couple was referred to me. They had, you know, uh, preteen kids, they owned a home. The wife was making really good money as a nurse and the husband was in, in was making good money in, in another field. Uh, and they didn't know how to communicate and they were just fighting and they were on the verge of divorce, which, you know, money is a big reason for a lot of divorces in this country. Uh, and, you know, and regardless of, of whether or not people talk about it, especially in the church, it is an emotional topic. And one of the things that I always ask my question, that I always ask my clients in our interviews is, what was money like for you growing up? Mm-hmm. And they're always taken back by that question. They weren't expecting it. And I learn a lot about clients. I, I'm working with one couple right now where uh, they were growing up and the, the family, the, the husband's family had some real financial struggles and that has really transformed the way that he handles money. Now he's extremely frugal. He saves an enormous amount of money every month. I mean, it is for, for the age of this, this young man, he is doing so well. I'm so proud of him, but there's that level of frugality there. And, and, and when I brought up the idea of generosity, 
he's like, you know, I'd love, love to do that, but can I? And and I'm like, you're maxing out your 401k. You're saving two to $4,000 a month in your savings account. And you're asking if you could be generous. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> What's holding you back? Yeah. <laughs> and, you're like, and, you know, he's very receptive to the idea. This is a follower of Christ. This isn't, you know, he's not... Uh, a Scrooge or a penny pincher like some people in my family. Yeah. Um, I have grandparents who grew up during the Great Depression and and uh, I always used to make fun of my grandfather because he would make my grandmother so um, patch up his the holes in his undershirt and the uh, and his socks. You know, it, you know, just just very, very, very like frugal to a point uh, that was just insane. Um, and I wouldn't say that this is my client, but, but the fact that he's doing so well financially and he doesn't even know if he could be generous. Um, yeah, we definitely have to find balance, right? Because we also want, you know, and he hopefully would want his kids to also enjoy the money they're making now because we're not promised tomorrow. Do we need to prepare for tomorrow? Absolutely. But we're not promised tomorrow. So what do we lose out on? when we're not enjoying our money as well, right? Mm -hmm. That we have to find that balance. What what kind of things do you recommend to your clients that they do to prepare for tomorrow? Um, Well, one is to know what they value. You know, what's important to them? Uh, You know, you said your grandparents grew up in the depression. So material things weren't important to them. They didn't value that. So they were sewing their socks or their shirts or whatever, right? That's fine. <laughs> whatever. You know, they're not going to go out and buy the Louis Vuitton purse. Um, but really finding out what is, what's, what do we value and what's important to us? Knowing what we want to accomplish in our life. Knowing what retirement looks like. Um, I had a discussion on a podcast, you know, that we don't have to call it retirement. We can call it work optional because retirement's kind of, people aren't really doing that anymore. Like the generations coming up, that's not their thinking. Their thinking is work optional, right? So what is what do you want your future to be designed to do? And making a plan with your money. I mean, you need to know what, what is coming into your bank account and what is going out. What are you doing with your monies? Mm-hmm. Where is it going? And are you, you satisfied with that? Do you have systems in place to help people understand where their money is going? Absolutely. We have these things called uh, spreadsheets, <laughs> right? We just plug it in. It shows us what we're doing. But one thing I do is I actually go through my client's bank statements myself. I go through, find out what, where's the money going? Because if I leave it up to them, they're probably not going to do it because of fear. Right? So let me do that. And then we're going to look at it together. And when we look at it together, you know, well, this is what it says. How does that feel? Do you feel like this is true? You know, Yep. Pretty much what I feel like. And okay, well, now you know where your money's going. What do you want to do with your money based on the values? What are some goals you have? What are some priorities, wish lists, needs, all those things? And how can we fit it into what you're doing, what you have? And now that we know, okay, well, we have all these things we need, we want to do, but this is our limit. What can we do to actually bring our limit up? Right. Do we need to get a side hustle? Do we need to start a business? Do we need to get a second job? What is it cut back, get rid of? What is it that we have to do? And then you make those decisions 
so that you can do all the things I say. <laughs> where, where are some of the areas where people are surprised that they're spending so much money on their regular cash flow? Every single time it's eating out. That's been my experience. And you don't, I don't know why people are surprised because we hear about it all the time, <laughs> but they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I spent, spend that much money. I actually had clients that were spending $3,400 a month on food. I've had that several times. And they're just like, well, that's where uh, my money's going. I'm eating my retirement. I'm eating my savings. But once they become aware of that, they're like, oh my gosh, well, that's not what I want to be doing. And they almost automatically change their own behavior and habits with that. Well, this has been such a, an amazing discussion. Donette, it, can you give us a little bit more of an explanation on what services you provide and how someone can get in touch with you? Yes. So the best way to explain it is that I help people with their daily beha behaviors and habits with money to align with their goals and values. So helping you with your everyday money behaviors. What are you doing with it? What do you want to do with it? How can we change it, adjust it so that we can get you to save money, invest, give, do all these things that you want to do with money, go on vacation, buy a house, whatever it is. Like that is what I help you do. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're what would some people would call like a daily money manager. Uh, kind of, but not because I'm not doing the managing. I'm just empowering you to do it yourself. Right. Awesome. And where can someone get in touch with you? You can find me anywhere on the internet at Your Money on Purpose. Okay, excellent, excellent. And so you work with people virtually or in person? So I work with mostly it's virtual. Um, and I help, as you guys said in my bio, women and their businesses, helping them get all that stuff Um kind of in order and helping them grow and scale. Uh, I also go into companies and bring workshops for their employees to bring financial wellness to their uh, employees. Excellent. Excellent. Do you have anything else you want to ask Crystal? That I um, wanna... <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I don't have anything else to ask for Donette. Thank you so much for coming today, Donette. It has been a true pleasure. Oh, thank but... you guys so much. It's been an honor. I, I had so much fun. Yeah. Thank you, Donette. Yes. Thank you so much. Actually, Keith, before we hop off, I know that we're moving towards the ending time here, but you know, how did your international speaking engagement go? I haven't heard about that. Tell, tell, tell. Yeah. So in the end of 2022, I started praying and asking the Lord to give me opportunities to speak on, on these topics of money, wealth, and generosity in the Bible. Uh, and, you know, the Lord has been so faithful and so good to me. I've had several opportunities to speak in men's groups uh, and youth groups. And I, I'm anticipating going to New Jersey later this year and, and speaking at a church group. Uh, but what happened in January was I reconnected with an old friend of mine and was telling her what I was praying for. And she got all excited and she invited me to uh, meet a friend of hers uh, who is the leader of a foundation called the Quakerdale Foundation. And the Quakerdale Foundation is an international foundation which helps fund uh, faith-based nonprofits. And they're hosting a 
uh, International Speaker Summit uh, with pre-recorded interviews, which will be aired at the end of March. Um, and they have 12 people that they're interviewing. And uh, I just recorded uh, my interview. So I'm one of those 12. Very excited to have the opportunity to speak about you know, generosity as a financial advisor and in my life and business. And I'm just very excited for that opportunity to encourage people uh, to think about generosity, you know, from a biblical perspective. Uh, you know, so the Lord's been faithful and, and I'm very excited for that opportunity and, and God willing other opportunities to speak on these sorts of topics. That's a blessing. Congratulations, Keith. Yeah, thank you. Well, we thank you for once again joining us today on the Faith and Money podcast. Thank you again to our guest, Donette. Uh, thank you to my co-host, Crystal. Uh, she didn't make fun of me too much, but she still hurt my feelings a little bit. I bought but, a bat. Uh, I bought a bat. <laughs> if you, once again, if you have a comments, questions, or, or rotten tomatoes for Crystal, go ahead and email us at faithandmoneypodcast at gmail.com. Please go ahead and, and send us your questions and your comments. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and even better, go ahead and, and share the podcast with a friend and your enemies so that we can go ahead and, and share the love. Uh, until next time, God bless. See you soon.